learning about movies. Learning about movies. Learning about movies. I get I get raging hard-ons every time someone whispers near me. I'm only half joking. Hello, hello. Welcome to Syndication Episode 4. The show where three dudes, uh, they bone up on their cinema history by watching seminal films and films that at least one of them has never seen. You and heard then, it here uh, first, Three Dudes Bone. Three Dudes Bone while watching movies. It's uh, dirty as hell, and but really fun, <laughs> so don't judge us. Uh, so, I am Tyler Young, your host. I am Devin Ellis. And I am Matt Hardwood. Hardwood. That's not his real last name. He's making them up now. <laughs> so you, you've gone from mysterious to just making shit up. Yeah, I think I'm just going to do a different last name every week. Ooh, I like that. Is there a name for that, for like uh, things in the shows that change every episode, like the uh, like the couch gag in The Simpsons? I think it's called like couch gags. Like I think that's <laughs> shorthand. I think culturally everybody knows it as The Simpsons couch gag thing. Oh, okay. So your last name is our couch gag. Sure. I like it. Uh. <laughs> okay, so um, today's episode, we're, we're going to experiment a little bit. We're going to do something a little different because, uh, you know, we're new, we're young, we're hip. <laughs> we're, <laughs> uh, we're morphing and changing and trying to make a better show. So uh, see how it goes. We're, gonna, we're going to, yeah, we're going to go through the plot this time. We're going to actually uh, walk through the plot of the movie as the like the backbone of our discussion, and then we'll just go off on tangents from there. So if you haven't seen it, you know, if you haven't seen the movie before you watch the episode, you just wanted to hear the podcast, now you can get an idea of, like, what we're commenting on and um, maybe how the movie goes. Maybe you get interested and you uh, want to go see it yourself. Who knows? Also, spoiler alerts, obviously, for the entire film. Uh, maybe maybe that should be part of the introduction from now on. Like, also, yeah, welcome to syndication. Spoiler alert <laughs> for this entire movie. <laughs> because maybe say first, spoiler alert. Welcome to syndication. <laughs> oh, I like that idea. Yeah, spoiler alert. Welcome to syndication. <laughs> um, and then, so we're also going to do an intermission. We did it last episode, but like this time, I'll actually announce it while we're talking, so it feels more natural. But we'll have an intermission halfway through, uh, and then. Uh, and then we'll finish it up. That's it. That's those those are the changes. Uh, so before before we get into it, what do you what what you drinking? Oh yeah, it's our new segment. What you drinking? <laughs> well, you go first, Tyler. Since oh the yeah, sure. Segment. Uh, so I have a High West whiskey, which is a double rye straight rye whiskey. It's um it has a cowboy on it, so I figured, hey, that'd be apropos for the movie that we were talking about. Spoiler pretty, alert for uh, the. Movie. In the spirit, <laughs> get get it. Spirits. It's We're spirit. doing Magnificent Seven, by the way. We talked, we <laughs> announced it last episode, so that's why. Yeah, Devin, uh, what you drinking? I, I, I'm drinking Pacifico beer, which is a Mexican beer, so it's kind of like loosely related. I'll take that's it. true. I told you that I I tried that for the first time the other day, right? You keep trying to, you kept recommending it, and no, you didn't tell me. What you think? It's good. I like it. Actually, better than Corona, I think. Yeah, right. It's good stuff. Hey, Matt, what you drinking? Uh, I am drinking Glenlivet single malt Scotch whiskey because I'm in the UK and I might as well drink Scotch whiskey. <laughs> what's uh, what's uh, what's it called? Glenlivet. I could be mispronouncing that. 
Glenn Livet. G L E N L I V E T. Joseph Gordon Livet. Glenn Livet. <laughs> Joseph Glenn Livet. Sounds yes. delicious. Got it. <laughs> uh, so, as you just heard, I picked Magnificent Seven for this uh, for this episode. That's the 1960 Western adaptation of Seven Samurai, which we did for our second movie. If you've been following along, pay attention, people. Uh, this is directed by John Sturgis. Uh, starring Yul Brenner, Steve McQueen, Charles Bronson, Robert Vaughn, Brad Dexter, James Coburn, and Horst Buckles. <laughs> Buckles? I think Buckles, right? Okay, okay. I have to. I have to interrupt. The next time that we pick a remake of a movie that we watch on this podcast, can we put several months between them instead of several weeks? I think. I think we should. That's important for next time. So. I, I kind of like the idea of, of us doing like a back-to-back kind of double feature thing, but I hear what you're saying because I was kind of <laughs> bored throughout the movie. Like, I've so seen this already. <laughs> they, seriously, uh, now though. he's going to die. <laughs> they shot that almost scene for scene. Some of it, yeah. Like, there, was, there were multiple scenes throughout that film that I was like, this is exactly the same as Seven Samurai. <laughs> That like did everyone did anyone think that like Chico felt like a low rent Kikuchio? Like I know that's the character he's playing, but I'm like, ah, he's not Kikuchio though. Like well, he's he was, fun. He was, he was also the kid, right? What yeah. do you guys think about that? About merging those new characters, those two characters together and then introducing like the PTSD guy. Yeah. Yeah, that actually I didn't really think about that. It was the apprentice and Kikuchio at the same time. Yeah, he was both. Um, I liked the merge. And I actually liked the PTSD guy, too, so... I didn't like the merge because I think he was trying two different things. Like, he would, like, flip personalities, almost. Like, he did that thing when they showed up at the time. Well, we'll get into it as we, as we go through. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... I So, that's why I picked the movie, because it's just... It's, uh, it's still, like, on lists of movies you should see. I was in a Western mood, because Red Dead Redemption is being announced... And I'm really excited. I was like, Western! And we just did Seven Samurai, so that'd be fun. Uh, so, if you guys have, if you guys don't have anything else to get to, should I just go start going through the plot? Yeah. Sure. All right. Let's move it along. So, a poor village in Mexico is periodically raided for food and supplies by a gang of bandits led by Calvera, who is played by Eli Wallach? Wallach? After the latest raid, during which the bandits kill a villager, the village leaders decide they've had enough. And on the advice of the village elder, uh, which they just call the old man, which is just like... It's exactly the same. (laughs) Exactly the same. When they Uh, said that, that was the first time I was like, wow, they're just going to go talk to the old man. It's the same old man. (laughs) They haven't changed this at all. Uh, And they decide to fight back. But this time, like when they decide to fight back, it is very quickly. They're like... What do we do? And the old man, they get to the old man. He's just like, we have to, like the, his very first line is we have to fight. And right. Like, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> I felt like there was a lot of that. Like it was the same plot, but they just streamlined it. Like yeah. in the original, there's this whole thing where like the villagers are like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And the old man sits there for what feels like an eternity. And says, <laughs> we have to hire a samurai. And in this movie, he was just like, go get cowboys. <laughs> Like, just go. <laughs> you know what, you know what we weird? need? Cowboys. Uh, like, I think, I don't think I'd feel this way if I watched it by itself, but in contrast to seeing Seven Samurai so soon after, it felt almost like too fast paced to me because oh, yeah. 
just just because all the scenes felt rushed in contrast to to what I it was flying. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just like okay, now now they're fighting already. They're already there. I guess this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> like I honestly, I appreciated the time difference that it was a little shorter. But yeah, you're mm. right. Like a lot of things felt rushed. You know, yeah. especially like the fight at the end. What What did you guys think about? Because um, in Sam, in Seven Samurai, like they show the main bandit at the very beginning, and then never again, and he has no characterization. What do you think about like having Calvera have you know a, a mm. speaking role and and being a character? I like that better. Um, yeah, I liked like the confrontation near the end uh, before they came back. Yeah, I actually thought he was an interesting character. Um, he brought sort of. He, he was kind of quirky, <laughs> he had uh, espe- especially towards the end, and I kind of liked that. I really, I really liked that they. He kept talking about how he had to feed his men, and how like it was the burden of like a father that he felt towards his men. Um, yeah, and then I thought that was mirrored where um, I forget which cowboy it was, but like one of the the seven later in the movie was telling those three kids that was following him around like your fathers carry a burden for you and mm. they're brave because they have all this responsibility. And I was like, Hey, that's kind of what the bad guy's been saying all the movie. <laughs> that was Bernardo. Bernardo. Right. Yeah. The half um, Irish, half Mexican <laughs> and him. In yeah. Between. I just, I, I just thought that was like a really interesting thing to do with the villain. I thought it made him more relatable. No, I agree. I actually, I liked him as a villain better than the, the, the bandit leader in the first movie uh, in the seven Samurai, which I can't remember his name. I don't even think he had a name. If he did, I don't, I don't know it. He was just the leader of the bandits that they showed sometimes. Yeah. Um, he had an eye patch or something, I think. <laughs> yeah, he had like one distinctive thing, like a, like a streak of white hair. Or, yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> eye patch. A very villainy Three thing. <laughs> missing fingers. Uh, so taking what few objects of value that the village has, three villages right into town just inside the United States border, hoping to barter for weapons. They are impressed by Chris Adams, who is played by Yul Brenner, a veteran Cajun gunslinger. Now, is is Yul Brenner actually Cajun? Because he's definitely not. No, he's American. Russian. He's Russian. He's Russian. I guess I should it was a cheap Yule. ploy to make his accent not matter. <laughs> <laughs> I I really loved his accent. Actually, I liked his like really deep voice with the the European accent. But like, so he's like kind of like this like Americanized Did European. You? cowboy i thought it was great yeah it, it felt a little out of place to me personally i i noticed it every single time that he spoke throughout the film i was like why why is that there well they mentioned that he's not really from around there originally yeah no i know there, there were a couple accents chico had is a uh, german the actor's german what really and i also felt like every time chico talked i was like come on that's <laughs> wait he's a german? ridiculous accent yeah it was he's very obviously not american I know. I knew he wasn't American. I thought. I mean, his name was Chico. He had darker skin. I thought he was Mexican. No, he's German. <laughs> that actor is German. I guess that makes sense that his name is Horst Buchholz. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should have seen that coming. Uh, and so they approach uh, uh, Chris Adams, uh, the gunslinger, and uh, look for advice. Chris suggests that they instead hire gun uh, gunfighters to defend the village, as men are cheaper than guns. At first agreeing only to help them recruit men, Chris eventually decides to lead the group, and despite the meager pay offered, he finds five willing gunmen. Um, I really like the uh, that scene where the when the the villagers see Chris and uh, Vin, 
they uh, they like deal with racism like by by taking that um, that Native American corpse up to Boot Hill because everyone's like, no, he's a he's a savage. He doesn't deserve to be buried, mm. and they're like. Like no, this is a human being, you know. He, he, I, I kind of like that scene. It was a little different from the way um, they introduce uh, Kambe in uh, in the original movie. It was the same like show of morality, though. Right. It was just in a different context for the Wild West, which I, I thought was pretty cool. The way they adapted that. I also appreciated that they had two of the gun, like the fact that they had Steve McQueen involved in that original one. Hmm. Um, made me feel like it made it more believable that he would be uh, Chris's like secondhand man for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Seven Samurai, the secondhand man is just like the first guy that happens to get recruited and has no real reason. To yeah, do he was it. just a dude you know in town. Mean? Um, so I I liked that. I thought I thought pretty much everything they did with Steve McQueen's character was better than what they did with the second in command in the Seven Samurai. I agree. Like they introduced him more like earlier in the film and they gave him more character. And I felt like it really worked um, as like, and, and like I, in the seven samurai, there's that moment where he says like, Oh, it's so rare that life gives you a chance to meet somebody that you find truly interesting or something like that. So like, that's why I'm going to stay. Cause I want to get to know you old guy. <laughs> um, and you I'm like, don't bored. believe it. You never see any reason that they would like, have that they would have any sort of relationship it's 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 being like told and not shown and um i felt like magnificent seven did a much better job of showing those two having a relationship because they both stuck their neck outs when they didn't need to and they both saw it in each other like hey man you're pretty cool like you you were doing something selfless for just moral reasons you know like didn't have to do that no one's paying you, you know, like I didn't have to do that. And they both did it anyway. So they're both like, Hey man, good looking out. Let's have a drink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they were both tired. They both like wanted to retire and regretted some of the decisions they'd made in their life. So, yeah. And they were both like very aware of like how alone they are and how like just drifty they are and how that kind of sucks, even though like it's romanticized and other people are like looking up to them. They're like, it sucks. Like our lives aren't great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? In, in the seven samurai, when the three left at the end of the film, it felt like, eh, like why would those three spend time together? Maybe the the kid with the old man because he's like his apprentice now or whatever. Yeah. But um, in this movie, when those two rode off together, I was like, it felt earned. I was like, okay, <laughs> too. they're gonna be buddy cops now, like in the in the <laughs> Wild West. And I like that, like Chica was gonna go, and they're like, come on, you know what you want, like you you want to settle down deep down, like you know you're, you're with that girl, you like her, so and he's like. Yeah. All right, well, I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go start a new life. <laughs> Which was so much better than the emotional trauma oh. that we all went through at the end of Seven Samurai. <laughs> it definitely was. That was one of the major differences that I that I noticed was that, like, you know, he gets the girl at the end. Which was interesting. Yeah. Uh, so getting also, back to, like, where we were, but... When when uh when they shot those dudes at Boot Hill that they were like they're like you know the bunch of racists standing up there like no he doesn't deserve to be in this graveyard and they shoot him in the arm two people get shot in the arm <laughs> and they kind of like they drop their guns and they're holding their wounds they're looking at them with no pain on their face they're just like pissed off like all right well <laughs> I guess we'll walk out of here with holes in our arms with it's blood trickling down like <laughs> <laughs> just a flesh wound yeah they they just like. 
well, you got me this time. I guess I'll just go off and uh, shake this one off. Like, you are, like, it's you're very, in serious danger. It's very uh, Wild West. <laughs> I guess. In the Wild West, they would lose that arm. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Like, that's going to get infected. You're going to have to have that, like, dug out, but there's no painkillers or anything. Like, you're, that sucks. That really sucks. <laughs> Sorry, guy. Yeah. Anywho. Uh... So the group includes the gunfighter Vin Tanner, who we talked about, Steve McQueen, uh, who has gone broke after a round of gambling. Uh, Chris's friend, Harry Luck, uh, Brad Dexter, who assumes Chris must be secretly be expecting a much bigger reward for the work, which I kind of like that idea about his character. Like, he's in it because he thinks that, like, so there, there are gold up in the mountains, right? There's gold and silver up in the mountains. We're not just doing this for 20 bucks, right? Right, guys? I'm going to do it, but there is gold, right? <laughs> he also functions like the, uh, and we're getting like ahead of ourselves, but his moment of doubt later in the film, I think by contrast makes everybody else's decisions seem like it gives them more weight. The fact that one of the seven is like, fuck that shit. Like <laughs> I am <laughs> getting out of here. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, like we're jumping ahead again, like you said, but like the way he like left and then five minutes later is like, I'm back. <laughs> and, and he, like he wrote in literally just to get shot. Like, yeah, I'm here. Shoot at me. <laughs> I'll save you, Chris. <laughs> yeah. He just writes right into gunfire and dies. <laughs> that was fucking funny. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so uh, uh, it also includes the Irish-Mexican Bernardo O'Reilly, Charles Bronson, uh, who has fallen on hard times. Britt James Coburn, who I love his character, by the way, um, who also had that awesome, um, like the Wild West version of the duel that they showed in Seven Samurai. But it's showing how he's amazing with uh, knife throwing, even though that never really came back to play except for when he died. And he's like, knife nah. <laughs> into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason. Uh, but I like the fact that he did that, that, that like he can throw a knife faster than a guy can shoot a gun. And that and the guy was like testing him. That was fun. Yeah, uh, that was a so pretty clear um, parallel. You know, I mean, I thought that was... It was a very, uh, very good opportunity for them to do like a, you know, classic Western duel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, he kind of even so, looks similar. He had the same like uh, narrow, like long yeah. face, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, he was like the thin man, you know, like he was, yeah. he was really skinny. He had like, yeah, kind of a gaunt face. He always kind of like leaned off to one side. He was quiet the entire time. He was exactly like the thin man from the original movie. Um, okay, so Britt is an expert in both knife and gun who joins purely for the challenge involved. And the dapper, on-the-run gunman Lee, who was played by Robert Vaughn, who is played by nightmares of fallen enemies and haunted by fears that he has lost his nerve for battle. Which, they never really said why he's on the run, right? It's pretty vague the whole time. Yeah. Not that I recall, no. Okay. I kind of wish they they got a little bit more on him, because, like... Because they didn't really get into it, what was the point, you know? Of they needed showing. seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, I guess they just kind of want to flush him out a little bit more. But nothing of that ever came into play. Like, he never, like, I don't he know, had, like, like the, the nightmare episode. Yeah, but, but we don't know why he has a traumatic episode. It doesn't come into play during the battle at the end. It never gets resolved. He ends up just getting killed. So it's just kind of like, well, he has a vague backstory. 
And yeah. he had a nightmare once, and then he died. That's kind of all his character was. I think it was just to make his decision to go back, like, more dramatic. Mm. Like, he has nothing to lose, and that's why, like... No, just because he was so scared. Like, he, he had lost his nerve. Because um, they showed, in all the previous battles, it always showed him hiding. He never fought. The oh, only you know, battle he actually fought in was the last one, when he went back. So it was, like, this really big moment that he turned around and put himself into danger. You know, you're right. I kind of missed that while I was watching it. But now that you're saying it, that kind of makes sense. He was, they did show him, like, kind of like... Not, it it always showed him hiding it. at the yeah. end of all the fights. <laughs> And hey, he'd like we did come good, out guys. With his right? guns still full, and be like, "Hey, guys, I helped. <laughs> <laughs> I was there." Uh, so, on their way to the village, they are trailed by the hothead Chico, who is a hybrid of the apprentice, which I can't remember his name from the from Seven Samurai, and Kikuchio, my favorite character. Uh, he's an inspiring. He's an aspiring gunfighter whose previous attempts to join Chris has been spurred. Now, impressions. <laughs> God damn it! I can't read right now. I'm a little drunk. <laughs> Now impressed by his persistence, Chris invites him to the group. Um, so apparently it was a thing. They, they did it twice in a row. I don't know if this happened a lot in the West, but they did it where two times right next to each other, people wanted to have a duel and they're like, come on, get up and fight me. Come on, you motherfucker. Get the hell up and you try to shoot me right now. And they like the guys, the, you know, so it's it's the it's um, what's his face? Uh, Brit. At first, who is being challenged, he's like, no, no thanks, I'd rather sleep on this post. And then Chris, who's like, no, I'd rather drink. And both times, the guy's like, get up and fight me! And then they shoot next to him, twice. (laughs) And they're like, all right, fine, Uh, that really pissed me off, so I guess I'm going to get up and fight you. Like, that, was that a thing? I don't know, like, (laughs) I thought it was weird. It was like two scenes played out kind of exactly the same right after each other. Just me? Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, I noticed <laughs> that. I, I, you're right. I just don't know, like, was that a thing? I don't, I don't know. know if that was a thing. I, I, th- I f- viewed it as, like, a threat. It was like, a thing that I noticed. Wow. No, no, it was, but they just did the same thing in the movie twice in a row. So, I thought Did they do that? Noteworthy. <laughs> Let's continue. Arriving at the village, they work <laughs> with the villagers to, for, uh, to build fortifications and begin to train them to defend themselves. They note the lack of women in the village until Chico stumbles upon Petra and discovers, uh, who's played by Rosenda Monteros, and discovers the villagers have hidden their wives and young women for fear the gunmen will rape them, which is a parallel from the original movie, but I still was really uncomfortable watching all of this. Uh, I didn't like the way they were just manhandling Petra the whole time. And then she ends up falling in love with Chico, even though he showed no interest and was kind of a dick. <laughs> Yeah. Also, like their entire love story was in the battle. Yeah. She hated him, and then they're in the middle of a gunfight, and she wanders up, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you want a bone?" And then he's like, "No, I, I can't." Totally, so. <laughs> totally unearned. Totally, I didn't like it. The love story was terrible in this movie. And like, God, it was so gross. Like, like, like Chico's like, "Hey, I found this chick." I uh, dragged her over here. Do you guys see her? And then, like... She's on the uh, horse. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, Vin is like, why didn't you bring the rest of them? <laughs> and he's like, well, who needs them, right? And then he's like... "Yeah." And then uh, Chris is like, why don't you grab, round them all up and bring them back? You know? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, okay, let's go. And then, like, they they literally grab and pick up Petra. Like, all right, back on the horse. 
you woman. What was that? Dialogue? <laughs> Go get the other ones. What was that dialogue where uh, I think it was the, one of the villagers was like, "Yeah, we were scared you were gonna like rape all the women or whatever." And and I think it was Chris was Chris? like, well, "Yeah, he was like, I yeah. can't say we won't <laughs> or something like." He that. said like, no, "Yeah, he, we might." He said. He said, and we might have, yeah. but you should have given us the benefit of the doubt. Right. That's what it was. I was that's like, that's exactly kind of a dark thing to say. <laughs> Which I think, like, I did. I, I, I stopped at the same time. I was like, what the? <laughs> I think what he was saying is, like, any seven gunmen might have raped her, but you should have given us the benefit of the doubt. But the way that line's written, it totally sounds like he's like, yeah, we could have raped them. <laughs> he literally said, we might. <laughs> yeah, we might. But it's not, you know. But you should have given us the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, like, as in, like, people out here are scum, so, yeah, you're right to be afraid, but, like, we're coming to save your town kind of selflessly, so maybe you should have, like, trusted us a little bit more. I don't know. If he said something like that, I think that they were justified in hiding them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a weird thing. Anywho. It was a didn't, weird Didn't moment. like it. Didn't <laughs> like the Petro Chico romance. Thought it was weird. Thought it was real misogynistic, but, okay, let's move on. Uh... <laughs> It was just like wish fulfillment, right? Like he goes on and on about how he wants to be a gunman while like he's looking off screen and she's staring like lustily at him the entire like scene. It's nothing more than weird male wish fulfillment. (laughs) Do you think it was forced because it's like, you know, an American like remake that needs like a, a romance in it? Yeah. I think I think they wanted to do the romance from the original, um, and I think they felt like the movie needed some sort of romance, and so they shoehorned this like kind of rapey, totally unrealistic. <laughs> and I'm saying this for you folks at home with air quotes, romance <laughs> into yeah. the movie. It was not romantic. No, it was a little weird. Let's see. The gunmen begin to bond with some of the villagers, and Chico is pursued by Petra, which we just went over. Not cool. Uh, Later, when Bernardo points out that the seven are being given all the food, uh, all the choice food in village, because that food was choice, the the gunmen share it with the village children instead, um, which I thought was kind of a cool little little moment. They did that in Seven Samurai, too. Did they do that in Seven Samurai? I think so. Did they give up their food for everybody? I, I recall a scene where they they had like the rice and the vill- they had a dialogue where the villagers were still just eating millet and so they went out and gave rice to the children. That sounds right. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember these movies blend together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then, bum bum bum, Calvera and his bandits arrive, sustain heavy losses in a shootout with the seven and the villagers, and are run out of town. The villagers celebrate believing Calvera will not return stupidly. I think. So, so that first, that first fight scene, right? Like the very first attack, like there was very, I felt like there was, wasn't a ton of planning, right? No, there was much less planning and, and they did have like the nets and the walls and stuff like that. But also they, they like let them all come right into the village and it was to keep them in as opposed to like, um, you know, just, just stripping some of them away and stuff like that. 
Which and I once, like, Calvera and his gang, like, rode in, they're like, oh, so these walls up for the defense? And they're like, no, these walls up to keep you in. But they never showed them, like, closing off any path that they came in from, so they could have just, like, well, we're going to turn around now and just leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's also, it's, the only reason I remember this is because it's, like, the only interesting shot from the entire movie. There's <laughs> this great shot, uh, it's on a dolly, following Kilvera and one of his guys on horses yeah. as they leap over all of the walls. <laughs> yeah. I wrote and that you're just down. like, okay, what the fuck was the point? I the, wrote that <laughs> down because that was so, that was such a good shot. <laughs> but you're right, yeah. those walls were short. Like, the horse was easily jumping over them. <laughs> yeah, like, effortlessly. <laughs> so, I, I thought it was interesting. It was a lot more, like, direct confrontational. And I think they did that also because, um, you know, the head bandit, what was his name again? Calvera. Calvera. He had, like, dialogue and a character in this film, so they had an opportunity to have them, like, talk first and exchange. That's why they right. did it, but they didn't give, like, reasonable enough reasons for them to be, conf like, confronting each other and talking, like, this early into the, the plot, you know? It was very quick. Yeah. Uh, also, so they beat them, and they, they have the... Uh, they have their like little celebration. <laughs> I don't know if it, it was really quick. I don't know if you guys noticed Chico's dance. <laughs> like he's like, Woo! he like has like a bottle of liquor and he's like dancing. <laughs> oh, yeah. He looked like he's he was dancing around his his hat, his cowboy hat. <laughs> he, I, I missed that. <laughs> he reminded me, it looked like Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld doing a little kicky dance. <laughs> he's like, Woo, we did it, guys. It was really like disjointed. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> um Uh, the villagers celebrate, and uh, and uh, Chico does his little kicky dance, uh, believing Calvera will not return. But Chico infiltrates Calvera, Calvera's camp, just like Cucuccio did in Seven Samurai, pretending to be one of his bandits, and learns that Calvera must return as his men are desperate for food. Can I? Can I? So, <laughs> there are forty men in Calvera's band. They mm -hmm. they they specifically cite that number numerous times. Yes. You're telling me that all 40 <laughs> don't know the other 40. If I just slap on <laughs> a new hat and some ammo, like, hatches over my chest and Bandle walk into... If, if I walk into a group of 40 people that spend every hour of every day together, <laughs> nobody's going to be like, who the fuck are you? Why are you wearing Jimmy's hat? 40 like, people is not a lot. Like, yeah. I, I was in boot camp. Uh, I was in the military. Uh, people and uh, there were 70 people in our division in boot camp 70 and we only spent two months together but if one person showed up like yeah. like maybe a month into it just like one random person was like hey I'm one of you guys I'd be like no you're not I know all 70 people here you're not one of them <laughs> no 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 but Tyler he was wearing a hat a Mexican hat he was in disguise Mexicans <laughs> he's like look I'm one of you I have a Mexican hat a sombrero god damn it it was definitely uh, yeah no that was wicked unrealistic especially for um, uh, Calvera right because Calvera yeah. kept talking about how, like, his connection with his men. Like, for him to not realize that that's not one of his men <laughs> is super unrealistic. And, by the way, they met each other already. Yeah. Like, they oh, just yeah. had Chico a confrontation. stepped out of the church and said, like, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> like, they just had a confrontation. <laughs> Chico's like, I'm going to get in there. <laughs> like, they should have been like, wait a minute. Didn't we just talk to you? <laughs> like, we just had a fight. <laughs> 
the way that scene should have ended is like they're listing all the people that died and and Chico should have walked up and been like go on and then somebody <laughs> should have just shot him in the testicles or something <laughs> like it should have been gruesome and awful cuz it made <laughs> no sense and then the gang members like you think we're stupid <laughs> we just met you cuz one one of the other big things that changed was in Seven Samurai one of the samurai died early and it gave all the rest motivation um yeah. to fight harder Mm. And they didn't do that in this movie. Yeah. Like they skipped over that everybody, whole line the, altogether. Yeah, everybody that died in this movie died at the end. Um, so like that would have been a great opportunity for Chico to die, and all the other you know gunmen are like, "Oh no, Chico!" That would have been a cool twist if he got like captured. Even you know, like they didn't kill him, but they captured him, and then they brought him like to the edge of the village, and he's like, and they're like. Actually, they did that in Walking Dead, but they're like, look, we got one of your guys. Maybe you should surrender right now. He's right here. He did something stupid. <laughs> I try to trick us. <laughs> I thought at the very least, because like his his character was, you know, the reckless character, right? I thought at the very least he should have like attempted it and then been like chased away in like a humorous way, like Kukichio was in in some yeah. of his scenes. Which, by the way, I love that scene. I know we're going back to <laughs> Seven Samurai, but I love that scene with Kukuchio is running back with a musket and he like Rolls on the ground, turns around, boom, and like fires out the musket, and then does like a back roll from it because of the uh, the kickback, and it's like, you <laughs> comes running back to the gang. Uh, I like that movie. Um, but even in Seven Samurai, he gets back and Kambe is like, "What are you doing? You left your men without a leader." And they go, and like half of Kikuchio's squad is dead because there was an attack on his part of the wall while he was gone. Like there were consequences. That's what yeah. like. And they yell there were at no him for consequences it. for this. It was just like it's the West, baby. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Yahoo, Chico. That's a good point. Yeah, like Kikuchio comes back and like, what the fuck was your problem? You just abandoned your post. You did something reckless. You could have died, and you like brought some of them back here. Like, what? What the hell? And he's like, I have a musket. <laughs> you see that? Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, it, it was much. It was. It was done much better in. Um, Seven Samurai. But hey, this sounds like a good moment to do our intermission. So we'll take a break. Wait, are are huh? we not going to say what, what, because I, I, never mind. <laughs> well, well, no, now you've said it. What is it? I, well, what's up? Well, I'm, I'm looking at the thing you're reading and uh, we should say what Chico learned in Calvera's camp so that we can go to intermission I on did. a cliffhanger. I already did oh, that. Did you? Oh. Never mind. That he uh, he learns that Calvera must return as his yeah, manner to the food. He said that must when he first started the sentence. Return, guys. <laughs> what's gonna happen? He must. They're return. coming back. Bum, They're coming bum, back, bum. and and they don't have any tricks up their sleeves this time. What's gonna happen in the second part of the movie that we all already watched? <laughs> or food up their sleeves? <laughs> I bet people should hang around and and hear what's gonna happen on the other side of our intermission. Because like, I think so. It's just shit's getting real. When we come back, we'll have the rest of the plot. And then we'll talk about what episode we're doing next. Intermission. I don't know how this works with editing. Should we stop recording or just keep going and then we'll break it up? Do, 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 do.
Thank you. I'm just welcoming Matt back. Uh, oh, but the listen the listener is here. Oh, right, those guys too. Yeah. Hey guys. Hi. Well, see, see what I learned. You don't want to say guys or or people or hey you all mm. because that's all plural. What you want to do is make a make a connection to the singular, the one person who's listening. You know what oh. I mean? Right, right. See, I I was like the the person that's listening right now. They know I'm talking to them. They, you know, everybody else might think I'm talking to them, but really, really, I'm talking to you. Hi. <laughs> hey, you. How it's going? That sounded really funny. <laughs> Welcome back to Syndication. And uh, we were just talking about Magnificent Seven. Mm, are they magnificent? This is. Oh, oh, yes, they are. This is our <laughs> ASMR segment. <laughs> This is syndication after dark. Does <laughs> ASMR affect anybody else? It definitely affects me. I know that. You get In the a chills, sexual you know? way? Yeah, I get I get raging <laughs> hard-ons every time someone whispers near me. It's a real thing. People actually have fetishes about this. No, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only half joking. Uh, anywho's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so where we left off was that uh, Chico had just gone to Calvera. I say just gone, but this happened, uh, you know, like 60 years ago. Uh, Calvera, wait, 60? Wait, no. Four, four, five, Almost 60. No, it was pretty close. It was like 50, 53 years ago. Uh Chico just just infiltrated stupidly into Calvera's camp, and everyone uh, of the Calvera gang was like, "Oh, this this guy's one of us. He's wearing a sombrero, just like we do." <laughs> the only thing that would have made it worse is if he was wearing a big curly fake mu- Mexican mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, so he comes back and he tells the village and the rest of the gunmen, um, the Calvera has to return because he's desperate for food, which is a, a parallel to seven samurai where we were talking about it in, in that episode where like, why the hell would this gangster, why would this gang keep coming back to this village? That's not easy pickings. And it's because no one else is close enough. They're too hungry and they have to kind of go all in. It's like that sunken cost, uh, fallacy. So, Upon hearing this, some fearful villagers call for the gunfighters to leave. They're it like, was just that one guy, much. right? A bunch of them do. There's there's one guy that's kind of heading it, but then a bunch of them like jump on board, like, yeah, Ooh. this is too much. And even the gunmen do too. Um, even some of the, like, so here we go. Even some of the seven waver, but Chris insisted they stay, even threatening to kill anyone who suggests giving up the fight, which I thought was a little weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they ride out to make a surprise raid on the Calver- on Calvera's camp, but find it abandoned. Returning to the village, they are caught by Calvera and his men, who colluded with some of the villagers to sneak in and take control. Okay, this part bothered me. <laughs> I was a little really? confused at this area. I was kind of like, what? The, I don't the, know if they explained The betrayal by the villagers really annoyed me. <laughs> It did. I think the logistics are stupid, but I I like the plot device. But Me you, too. You, you tell you like you make. Your I mean, it, I'm, I'm with you, man. It was it was fine for a, for a plot device. I was just sort of like annoyed that like you know they went out, they were in trouble, they went out and hired these people, and then they just kind of like stabbed them in the back because mm-hmm. it was getting a little hard. Like I was like, fuck you guys. <laughs> but you thinking that I think 
makes it a better story. The fact that you're getting pissed at these villagers because so are the gunmen. And, but I also understand that in that, that, that mentality of like, look, I just want to farm. Like, I don't care if I'm a little bit hungry some days or some not. Like, I don't want to fucking fight these people. I don't want to die. But they were this. they were making it out to be way worse. And they were talking about how, like, all their children are starving and how they're going to, like, you know, be cutting it really close without all of the food, you know, with just what they're left by Calvera. But how much of that speech was for the gunmen, like, as a plight to the gunmen to come in? You know what I mean? Probably some of it, if not most of it. But still, I'm not saying it was a bad from a story perspective, but... But you're mad at the villagers. I'm mad at the villagers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, then I think it was, like, effective, right? Yeah. If you had an emotional reaction to it. No, I think I think Devin's agreeing, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I am. I just didn't like that they did that. And also, I didn't understand, really, why they came... Why the Magnificent Seven, I guess, came back after that like i'd be like all right fuck this i'm out <laughs> like this was a good deal these guys fucked us over like whatever <laughs> but we'll get to that when it comes i guess i think it was yeah we'll, well okay we'll get to that um okay so uh they they okay included <laughs> so caverna has been come back because some villagers are total dicks and they're like come on in oppressor and then Calva, uh, Calvera spares the seven's lives, believing that they have learned the simple farmers are not worth fighting for, and fearing reprisals from the gunfighters' friends across the border. While preparing to depart, Chris and Vin admit that they have become emotionally attached to the village. I kind of liked this, uh, this whole, this whole scene between Chris and Vin. Uh, <laughs> Devin is distracting me by waving a bottle of plug. <laughs> Matt did it first. Yeah. Devin, Pacifico? stay yeah. on top of Matt. <laughs> I don't know if you guys realize, like, whenever I start doing the plot, I'm shifting over to a second desktop, and so I can't see you anymore. So I just, like, shift over, and then I'm reading and reading and reading, and then, like, and then once we start, like, <laughs> going off script or, or, or off the plot, I, I shift back, and so I shift back and just saw a, a fucking Pacifico bottle right in the <laughs> middle of the screen, and was like... Derailed completely. <laughs> I just want to jump back to that scene real quick. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing I did like about that scene, aside from me being annoyed at the betrayal of the villagers, was Calvera's offer to just let them go and actually even give them like food and horses and their guns back, I thought was really kind of generous. And I thought that went along with the humanizing element they were trying to give him. Um, yeah, I agree. It kind of showed that they weren't in a desperate place and weren't like violence wasn't their first choice. They never wanted it. They were just right. like, look, we need food. We need it. And it, in the end, he he saw he thought he and the in the in the seven were the same. Right. He thought that Drifters. they were all just in it like they were all in the same game. They were all playing by the same rules. He, he said that thing about like we deal a thief lead. that steals from a thief is pardoned. Um, so I, like I, I really liked that. I liked that that and, and I thought it tied in with how, sort of how world weary um, the Yule Brenner character Chris and uh, what was Steve McQueen's name? Vin? Vin. I thought it tied in with how sort of world weary those two were. Um and how isolated and sort of, um, you know, t 
tired, I guess mm. they were. There was also a really good quote in that scene about it. His, uh, I think Vin said it. He said, uh, my friend took off all of his clothes and jumped in a bed of cacti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I asked him I love why. how Calvera was like, he like sat way up. He's like, why? Why do you do that? He's so interested. Why the fuck would anyone do that? Seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> Which is why, yeah, that was his justification for doing the whole plot. Like, right. I don't know. Seemed like a good idea at the time. I chuckled with that. I really there enjoyed were a couple. He had a couple great sort of anecdotes. There was the other one about the guy who jumps off a 10-story building. And every story along the way, somebody <laughs> said... It's uh, like going going well so far. Yeah, so so far so good. Yeah. Every floor so far so good. So far so good. <laughs> oh, um, speaking of like like great like anecdotes like that, like um, uh, Hilario's speech. Do you guys remember that? Hilario. Hilario. Who's a Hilario? So uh, he's he's one of the villagers, um, and he sat up and he he was talking to Vin. This was after the first encounter, and they were gearing up for the main one. And they were they were kind of like sitting at a post. Like Vin was sitting there, like by a tree, just watching, waiting for Cavera's gang. And uh, oh, when they were going after the snipers or whatever. I think it. Gosh, I, th- I think it was right before that. But it was it, it was in between battles. Like they just had one. They're about to gear up for one. And uh, one of the villagers, uh, Hilario, comes up and he has a speech um, with Vin, basically about like how scared he was, but how this is like kind of necessary because like he couldn't live under the boot of Calvera anymore. It was really heartfelt. <laughs> and like, I thought it was really cool that even in like, you know, like 1960 when, you know, Hollywood was very, you know, misogynistic, which they didn't address. They didn't help in this movie at all. <laughs> they really furthered that, but also, you know, pretty racist. Uh, but they had like you know this this character who was supposed to be like the side character who was Mexican and one of the villagers and one of the, like the helpless people quote unquote that need to be saved by these these American gunmen, you know he has this like real moment of like uh, humanity and he's explaining how scared he is but how he has to do this and Vin is like commiserating like yeah me too man like every time I go into battle I have sweaty palms, you know and hilarious like I have sweaty palms. And a dry mouth. You think maybe you would be opposite <laughs> during a battle like this. Yeah. <laughs> it actually kind of brought funny. a tear to my eye. I actually really like, uh, really, really? That, that, I think that moment was pr- one of my favorites in the entire movie. All right. So. Emotionally attached to this. Okay, so uh, Chris and Vin admit that they become emotionally attached to the village. Uh, Bernardo likewise gets angry when the boys he befriended calls their parents cowards, which I thought was an, another amazing moment. Uh, Chico declares that he hates the villagers, and when Chris points out that he grew up as a farmer as well, Chico angrily, res- angrily responds that it is men like Calvera and Chris who made the villagers what they are. <laughs> Excuse me for reading kind of sloppily. I'm a little drunk. I drank this High West whiskey <laughs> a little too fast. <laughs> Uh, anywho's, the gunmen infiltrate, uh, the gunmen infiltrate the village and a gunfight breaks out. Harry, who has a, who's had a change of heart, returns in time to save Chris's life, but is himself <laughs> fatally shot. We went over this about how fucking stupid that was. I'll save I'll you, save Chris. You. Here I come. <laughs> I'm a bullet magnet. <laughs> uh, uh. 
Here he pleads uh, to know what they are fighting for, and Chris lies about a hidden golden mine to let Harry believe he died for a fortune, which is that classic, like, did we get him? And then the person lies, like, yeah, man, we got we him. We got him. We got him good. <laughs> uh, I right, thanks, man. And then pretty funny. <laughs> I wonder, so because this movie came out in 1960, I wonder if this was already a trope by that point, or if this is one of the one of the movies that created that trope. You know what I mean? I feel like that's a real thing that has happened since, like, people. Do you think, it, like, <laughs> in the real world that's actually happened, like, someone had to do that? I, yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah? Like, in war? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. so people die in war all the time, but do you think there was somebody out there, like, who has that kind of foresight to, like, lie and, like, come up with something, like, like a good, like, a good read, like, someone who's dying says something kind of nonsensical, like, did we do it? Did we win? <laughs> like... I would think so. Even outside yeah. of war, even just with, like, family or whatever, anyone you're close to, you'd want to spare any sort of... Yeah you know, negativity or regret on their deathbed. I've never had that situation happen, so I guess... I guess it does happen, yeah. More often than I thought. I'd lie to you, Tyler, if you were dying. <laughs> I would tell you the goddamn truth, <laughs> I don't know. So, all I've ever wanted was to be told the truth, no matter how ugly and or hard but it is. But if you're dying, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. Like, if I'm on my deadbed, uh, d- deadbed? If I'm on my deadbed, I don't know what I would prefer, you know? Because, like, how would you know unless you're there, you know? This time on Syndication, Existential <laughs> Angst. Hey, welcome to Syndication, where we talk about movies and also about the, uh, about the philosophical reasons for why we're alive and how you feel about, um, life itself and death and uh welcome to syndication you're going to die (laughs) everything's pointless give up now oh that should be like our our new tagline like hello and uh hello everybody welcome to syndication oh wait sorry spoilers hello and welcome to syndication episode five uh we're all gonna die some days let's watch some movies right in this episode we talk about you know what who cares we're all gonna die right let's talk about that for about an hour um yeah so hang on i mean that's it right like are we done with the summary do you want to read any more uh i mean basically everybody dies except for chico and chris and vin in the end yeah we can begin to summarize the rest of it so uh go for it yeah so uh, like i'm trying to remember where exactly i left off uh so harry dies and then basically the rest is a fight scene um, where, you know, like, you know, we just talked about Harry going like, do we get the gold? And Chris is like, yeah, man, we, we found the gold, which may or may not exist. We have no idea. But that was never the point. Um, uh, Lee finds his nerve. The guy who's been like hiding out for every single fight, he actually finds his nerve and he like breaks into a couple of houses and starts shooting people out. And then he has a death scene, which I thought was actually really fucking funny looking. <laughs> he, like, yeah, he gets shot and he does this like, and he like <laughs> turns around and like leans up against the wall and then like slides his face against the uh, the rocks because an actual live human being who's just an actor, he's like doing it really gingerly, so it looks really <laughs> weird when he's like rubbing his face up against the rocks. And then I thought uh, there were a couple of actual cool stunts. 
there was this one stunt that I saw where uh, I think it was Vin was on a horse and the horse gets shot and falls over and he like falls off the horse. And like, it looked like that actually happened. Like it was all done in one shot. And I was like, he just, they actually just had the horse fall over and he just got up. I was like, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, so yeah. since yeah. we started this podcast, I've noticed that a lot with these old movies, how there are a lot of stunts that I'm watching that I'm like, I think they really fucking did that. Because I think safety standards were way <laughs> lower than they are now. Yeah. There were none. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> we need yes. to shoot the horse for real. <laughs> like even in like Metropolis, they were going on elevators and they were riding up yeah. the floor and there was like barely any safeguards and they were just like leaning over the elevator like, hey, ah, they're doing this thing <laughs> as it's going up. Like half. if you don't pull back in time, you're going to get decapitated because like there's no way to fake <laughs> that. That's really happening right yeah, now. Yeah, you were having like a panic attack when we were watching that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like calling, Did you get back in there. What are you doing? <laughs> That's like riding up to the ceiling. You're going to get cut in half. <laughs> I know you're like trying to act for this big movie, but it's not worth it. <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, so, so Lee's death was kind of funny. Britt's death looked pretty funny. We kind of touched on that earlier. He does that like, remember the knife? Yeah, and he like throws it into the into the the wall as he's dying. Yeah, for who? This was the one part of my character that was developed. <laughs> <laughs> like. Other than the viewer, who was that for? <laughs> you know, like why, what compulsion made him do that? Like in my dying moments, in my final, my last breath, I'm going to throw in a knife into this rock. Who Chris is just oh, going to pick was, up in a second. There anyway. was a bad guy. There was a bad guy that was on horse and was getting away. He was trying to kill another bad guy. Right okay. before he died, he was knocking those guys down one after another. Oh, yeah. If you remember that. There was like four guys in Horseman. He just like one down, one down, one down. <laughs> he was actually one of my favorite characters. Um, so, yeah, four people die. Then <laughs> uh, Bernard. So so uh, Lee died. Britt died. Harry died. And Bernardo's was the only death that I actually felt really sad about. Um, yeah, because he cause died the in the arms of children. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> and only died because he got them to safety. Right. Yeah. It was their fault, actually. And he got shot like five times before the fatal wound, you know? Like he was still fighting and he still, like, see all these bullet holes in them and he's still like, all right, kids, back up. <laughs> he gets hit one more time. And then they, 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 they rush to his aid. And, like, as he's dying, he's like, what's my name? And they're like, Bernardo. That's right. <laughs> and then he dies. <laughs> like, I'm, me- I guess, like, saying, like, I'm Mexican, I'm with you, you know, I'm part of this, you know. I, g- I guess. Was that the message? I don't know. That, I-, I felt like he also just wanted to be remembered. Yeah, that's true, too. Like, the, uh, my name like, was, his name was Robert Paulson kind of scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cause, like, the other promise that they make to him is that they'll, they'll keep fresh flowers on his grave for mm. as long as they live. Yeah, um, I thought that was nice. <laughs> I saw. I love that scene too when they're like, "Yeah, we're we, we're here because if you die, we'll grab your rifle and uh, we'll start firing too, and then uh, you know we'll bring fresh powers to your gla- grave." And he's like, "Oh, that's a really comforting thought." <laughs> I thought, <laughs> oh, "God, was he saying too?" He's like, "Well, you know, I hope I don't die." You know, and like, "Oh yeah, we'll be happy if you don't die." 
maybe even a little maybe happier. even more happy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought um, one of the last scenes they missed. Like for how many scenes they copied shot for shot. Um, I thought that they missed an opportunity with that graveyard scene from Seven Samurai. Me too. I was um, looking for it. Yeah, yeah. They totally just like skimmed over that. I think they had one like passing shot where they showed like the gravestones. It was at a weird angle though. Like it yeah. wasn't emphasized. It wasn't emphasized at all. And that was such a great like shot from Seven Samurai. I thought they totally could have ripped that off and it would have been fine. Um, okay. So with that, how did uh Devin, how did you feel about this movie compared to Seven Samurai? Compared to Seven Samurai, I thought Seven Samurai was significantly better. Okay. Um, so, so what would you give this movie? I don't know if you remember. So here's the thing. I didn't look up my score. I don't know if you guys did too, of Seven Samurai. So uh, did, did you guys look it up? Do you guys know? I don't remember. remember. I honestly don't remember now. <laughs> Interesting. So we may be giving skewed scores. Like we don't remember what we give Seven Samurai, but if you, so Devin, you don't remember what you gave for Seven Samurai. I don't. So prepare for some like, continuity errors here. Maybe, maybe. But I kind of like how that deals with memory. You know what I mean? Like how kind of a, how your memory affects the way that you view things. Mm-hmm. So do you want me to give a rating? Yeah. So so um, give your rating. Uh, I mean, if you guys if you guys want, I can cut here and go look no, it up. No, I no, no. I don't want to. Okay. So you don't remember, and you like. Magnificent Seven more than Seven Samurai. Mm-hmm. What would you give Magnificent Seven? Um, I I I liked Magnificent Seven. I thought it was okay. Uh, I didn't really enjoy it though. I thought I, I mean it was just okay. I, I I probably wouldn't watch it again. I was kind of bored. That might have been just because I knew the plot already. Um, <laughs> but also that's a, that's a huge factor. <laughs> And also the entire film felt rushed, but that also might have been because I watched a three and a half hour version of it <laughs> uh, prior. So it's it's hard to say in if, you know, some of this is biased in contrast, but it was just kind of OK. I'd probably give it maybe like a five. OK, OK. And that's uh, that's like that's a generous five. <laughs> really? So. Four, then I guess. No, no, I think a generous five. Do you want? Okay, okay. When you say generous five, that sounds like I just want to sound nicer than I feel. No, there, like, there are parts. Like of I want to give it a four, but <laughs> I'm going to be nice to the filmmakers and the cast members and the crew. I'm going to give it a five, but it sounds like you want to give it a four. It's, it's. I want to give it a generous five. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually called a soft five. <laughs> Devin gives it a soft five out of ten. Uh, okay, so Matt, before the rating, what did you? How did you feel about this compared to Seven Samurai? I liked almost every change they made, um, but I don't think that the direction was as solid. Okay, and I thought that it it did feel rushed. I think one of the Seven Samurais like. One of the the most appealing parts of that movie is how realistic it is, um, including like how detailed their planning is and and how they accomplish it. Um, and I felt like this skewed much more towards like stereotypical American 
action movie western. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that. I definitely so really enjoyed the more um, uh, like tactics that they used and the careful planning that they had in Seven Samurai. Me too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think five is actually a, a solid score. Like it's not good. It's not bad. I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more if I hadn't seen Seven Samurai first, I think. Um, I think this suffers in comparison to that, which is a shame because I I really, I think from a writing point of view, every choice that they made, some made me roll my eyes. (laughs) So yeah, I guess I didn't like the Chico going into the bandit camp. But other than that, (laughs) I I liked Kikuchio and the kid being turned into one character. I liked the villain having a face and being more interesting. I liked that the villain being more interesting and thinking that he and the heroes were similar. Like I liked the sort of moral questions that that asked. Um, you also didn't like the romance. I didn't like the romance, but to Who be fair, did? I didn't like the romance in Seven Samurai. If you like that romance, I guess look inward, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I really felt like um, that there were some really interesting ideas that were better fleshed out in this than in the original, but I don't think it was filmed as well, and I don't... Um, it didn't have the same attention to detail that I think makes Seven Samurai sort of the classic that it is, so I'll, I'll give it a 5-2. Slightly firmer. Man, <laughs> I... I... <laughs> At, at at the risk of being uh, monotonous and uh, unpredictable, I kind of agree with the both of you, really. Um, I think this movie, like, as much as I love the Wild West, and I kind of, um, I kind of understand why this was this movie was made in the first place. You know, now that now that I think about it, I, I questioned it at the beginning of the episode, but within an hour, I was like, you know what? No, I like the Wild West. I kind of see why they tried, but the director, just as you said, Matt, like, um, it just wasn't as good. Like, it, it was. They focused on the wrong parts. I I, uh, I kind of liked uh, Seven Samurai better for their attention to detail about like the way they were like cross they're they're showing you exactly what's happening like okay here's why the bandit the bandits are coming in and here's how many there are and they did the whole thing of like we're gonna cross off this many bandits as we Mm -hmm. killed so you can see in real time like how it's going and i felt more connected to the characters i remember actually no no that's not true i didn't i actually felt more connected to these characters I don't know if it's it's a thing that because like I like Western uh, culture more than like uh, you know like Japanese like ancient Japanese culture I I don't know but like I, I kind of felt I kind of liked the banter between these guys more than the Samus Samurai but I felt more connected <laughs> to the characters in uh like I felt they had more time and more connection in Seven Samurai like Akuchio and Kambe I liked them better than the main characters in these ones. Um, That's interesting. Because yeah. I felt I felt way more connected to the characters in Seven Samurai. Yeah. I thought- like, I don't know. It's it's complicated. Like, like, like I kind of like the lines that they used in this one. I kind of appreciated the stream, the, the streamlined nature of this movie. 
compared to the three and a half hours <laughs> of uh, Seven Samurai. But I also really liked what they did with those three and a half hours in Seven Samurai compared to this one. You know, like what they used didn't yeah. feel like filler. It felt like. Right. Like almost. It's hard to explain. It's hard to put my finger on. Like I, know I wish exactly I could, I what you're talking vo- about. Yeah, like I, I wish I had like the exact wording for it, but like it felt like it wasn't bloated, but it was longer. And so my attention span, the way that it's designed was kind of like it was harder for me to like watch that movie. But because I watched it in installments and this one I watched uh, all the way through, I kind of appreciated Seven Samurai more than I did Magnificent Seven. Um, I think I like this. The f- What's up? Is, is is this the first one that you guys watch separately? Yeah, yeah. Actually, it is. Oh, that's interesting. It's interesting because we have the has same score. But the weird thing <laughs> well, is, I had all three of us did. So, so I liked Seven Samurai more than Magnificent Seven, but I liked Magnificent Seven enough. You know, like it, it wasn't terrible, but I kind of, I did kind of like it. You know, I would watch Magnificent Seven again before I watched Seven Samurai. Yeah, even though I liked Seven Samurai more, that movie was such a slog. Like <laughs> Magnificent Seven is a more pleasurable viewing experience. <laughs> I feel like that's so weird. Like, like, like I feel like a like a dirty American saying that, but I kind of agree with you. And what's weird is before we even did the podcast, we started recording. In my mind, I was thinking five two. Like I want to say five. As in, like, I like Seven Samurai more, but I'd rather watch Magnificent Seven <laughs> before <laughs> Seven Samurai. I don't know if that's because I'm American and I'm, like, designed to have a short retention span <laughs> or the way my brain works. I don't know. Like, I appreciated and I enjoyed the characters and I, I just loved what they did in Seven Samurai more. But Magnificent Seven, I feel like I could watch again over uh, hmm. Seven Samurai. The thing for me is with Seven Samurai, that's something that I would recommend everyone sees. Like I would yeah. recommend to a friend, like you need to watch this. I'll even sit down and watch it with you. With you. Like you have to watch it at least mm. once in your life. This movie, I yeah. didn't really feel that. I feel like if you had to choose between the two, Sanford Samurai would definitely be the pick, even though it's a little bit of a marathon. Like I agree. I wouldn't necessarily recommend this as something that has to be seen, um, especially. Yeah, I don't feel like this is essential. Right, yeah, and you know. Um, I only, uh, because once again, I did this last minute. I'll get better. I swear to God, everybody. Hey, listen, I'm going to get better. Um, For those at home who are probably hearing this long (laughs) after we recorded it, this one actually took us two weeks to get around (laughs) to, and we all still procrastinated. We need to keep up. We're going to do the next one in a week, right? (laughs) Matt. Next Sunday, we're doing the next one? Matt, when did you watch the movie? Um... I, when did when I did start you finish? It? When, when did, did you I finish, finish it? it? <laughs> I actually, this is this is one of the most uh, ahead of times I've done. I finished it two days oh, ago. Oh wow, two days out of two <laughs> weeks. That's not bad. Better better than better yeah. than Tyler's one hour. Better than both of you. Better than my one minute. <laughs> better than your one minute. <laughs> hey, it's fresh in my mind, man. I'm doing better than both of you. Hey, what's better? I don't know. You know, if it's fresh in your mind, you could talk about how you feel about it right now. I don't know. So is that earlier is better. I I do. (laughs) Watch the movies earlier. 
you will have more time to think of interesting things to say. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Matt's right. <laughs> I I will get better because I did watch this one hour before I started uh, the podcast. But any hoozle. So fives all around. We all gave a five on this one. So this is probably <laughs> the least enjoyed movie. And it was also my pick. Good job, Tyler. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Well, but I am fair, glad that I we watched it. Nope, nobody gave this a bad score. We've had five isn't bad. That had five's average. I thought. I mean, five is like take it or leave it. Technically, it is. Yeah, five is a take it or leave it. That's how. That's what I meant by my five. I guess I don't know what you. No, mean you know what? Your You're right because I didn't hate it. Actually, I did enjoy my viewing experience of it. Yeah, but like stacked up next to Seven Samurai, I just had much more fun time watching it i don't know like you brought this up but i don't know if it's because i was watching it with Devin or because i just i don't know because they they spent more time on the things that i think mattered more mm. than magnificent seven did and magnificent seven um was way more like i don't know like based on my machismo and uh, Seven Samurai was based more on, like, um, sacrifice. You know what I mean? See, it's interesting. I actually, I think Magnificent Seven is more fun. Like, it is. You use that word. Well, Matisse was fun. Magnificent Seven, it's more fun. Seven Samurai is better. And that's, yeah. like, the clearest way I know how to differentiate between the two. I think that's why we all said I'd rather watch Magnificent Seven over Seven Samurai, because Seven Samurai feels like you have to watch this. Magnificent Seven is like, are you bored? Watch Magnificent Seven. It's fun. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like this movie, but with Steve McQueen hamming it up and guns. Pew, I pew, really like pew, Steve pew. McQueen in this. I've never seen anything with Steve McQueen in it, but I knew his name from like listening to movie buffs talk about movies. This makes You've me never want seen The Great Escape? No. This makes me want to watch more oh Steve McQueen we do movies. That one episode. We we absolutely have to do that. I'll I'll, I'll pick that at some point. So that that in um, uh, bullet, I really want to watch. Is, bullet. is that a decent segue for us into what we're yeah, doing? What's the yeah. Next so movie? what's the next movie? What's what's next week? I just said that, Matt. Uh, so so again, I don't know when these are going to be released, but we're recording this in mid October. Oh yeah. So right, we haven't released one yet. Devin. Well, they don't know that. You don't have to say it. <laughs> they do now. We haven't released a single episode by the time we're recording this. Nothing has been out. We we're just doing this in the vacuum of the three of us. <laughs> we have no we have no response from the audience. We have no audience. You guys owe me money. <laughs> I don't care about oh, money. That's right. We, did. we have no response from anybody. <laughs> um yeah, so that's only relevant. I don't mean to throw Devin under the bus, no matter how much fun it is. <laughs> um, except to say that it was requested that we have a Halloween-themed movie for next I time. I requested it. It's awesome. I love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. Go on. So I, I'm not actually giving you a Halloween-themed one. I am giving you a horror movie, though. Oh, I feel oh. like that's a compromise. No, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Um, I have never seen a single Hitchcock film. So what? for next week, we're going to watch Psycho. Ooh. Yeah. I have not seen that. So I've seen it, have but you it's been a very, very long time. Wait, is this right. the first movie that one of us has seen it? Yeah. 
actually. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah, we should we should figure out how we want to do that. You should like write down what you remember about it before you watch it. And Very then write little. Down what's different from what you remembered. <laughs> this will probably okay. So depending how long this podcast goes, I hope for a very long time. But like since we're very early, let's see if this turns into a thing. My memory sucks. It really sucks. <laughs> so like I've seen this movie. How much of it I remember? I'm not worried. <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you, Tyler. I'm not worried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well. So um, unless anybody has anything else to say, hmm? Matt, Devin? Not for me. All right. This has been episode four of Syndication. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. We talked about a movie that we already talked about. Yeah. We talked about a samurai movie. Now it's Western time. Western time with gunslingers who like to manhandle women. Yeah. They throw them on horses and like, you are going to come back later to love me, even though I was a total dick. <laughs> Magnificent. Seven. Bye.